Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 18 of Tom Slade on the River. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tom Slade on the River by Percy Keith Fitzhugh. Chapter 18 The Tragic Adventure of the Freckled Scout. The salesman was busy waiting on two boys, both scouts, one of whom was evidently buying a new outfit. Tom expressed surprise at this, since the uniform which he was wearing seemed almost new. I suppose the new one is for Sundays, said Artie. We should worry, said Roy. The boy who was doing the purchasing was of a trim physique, with very red hair, and he had as many freckles upon his cheerful countenance as there are stars in the quiet sky. There was much joking, which the Bridgeboro boys could not hear, between these boys and the salesman, and while waiting for the purchase to be wrapped, the three formed a little laughing group. The freckled boy in particular interested the waiting scouts who were attracted by his trim figure, his jaunty manner, and the shiny redness of his rather curly hair. "'Well, I wish you luck,' said the salesman as they left him. "'It's some stunt.' As the two passed the bench where the Bridgeboro boys were sitting, the red-headed boy turned and gave them the scout salute with a merry smile. "'They live around here?' Hardy asked. "'Nope,' said the salesman inspecting Tom's scout certificate to be sure he was entitled to buy the official suit. They're down from their camp up Lake Champlain. Quite a pair, aren't they? Artie felt that he would like to ask more about them, for he was sure they had been telling their adventures, as Pee-wee would have said, to the salesman. But scouts are not officious, and these particular scouts believed somewhat in Roy's advice for winning the business badge, namely, mind your own business. The salesman, however, did vouchsafe them one little morsel of information while he was fitting Tom. "'They've got a great scheme on foot, those kids,' said he. "'I think I know what it is,' said Tom. "'They're going to give a scout suit to a new fellow for a surprise.' "'Sherlock, nobody homes again,' jeered Roy. The man only laughed. "'You scout fellows don't seem to know what fear is, do you?' he added pleasantly. We wouldn't know it if we met it in the street, said Roy, not, however, understanding the significance of the remark. Tommaso's the courageousest. Look out, he don't bite you. We've been feeding him meat today. Tom loosened up and decided he would get a sweater, too, and the joint deliberation over a suitable color put an end to their immediate thought of the stranger scouts. A kind of a blackish-white would be good, said Roy. Artie suggested a pale lavender. The salesman was greatly amused at their talk, but Tom was somewhat nettled and embarrassed, and he was glad when the completion of the business put an end to their nonsense. On the way back to the boats and afterwards, they speculated somewhat about the two scouts, 
There was no particular reason for their doing so, except that the red-headed boy lingered in their minds with his trim appearance and his vivacious manner. Later they recalled his jaunty, careless air, his friendly salute, and his winning smile, almost with a shudder. "'We saw the kind of scout that Raymond believes in,' taunted Roy upon their return to the boats. "'He had on the full uniform, belt-axe, whistle, bugle, gaiters, hat—' "'That's right,' said Mr. Ellsworth, winking at Raymond. "'That's what they're for, to be worn.' "'There was only one thing wrong with him,' Roy concluded. "'What?' demanded Raymond, quite boldly for him. "'He was made of wood,' said Roy. Well, "'Then let him serve as a terrible example,' laughed the scoutmaster. "'I dare say there are few others like him.' "'Did he have any invisible badges on?' Doc asked slyly. "'Doesn't Tommaso look too sweet for anything?' teased Roy. "'Cut it out,' grumbled Tom. "'It's time to get supper.' They stayed at their mooring that night, and lolled about on the cabin roof of the Honor Scout, while Harry Stanton strummed his ukulele, and those who knew the soft music of the far-off Pacific Isles hummed the airs, which seemed nowhere so melodious as on the water. A group of small boys from the unkempt waterside section caught the strains, and shuffled down, grimy and ragged, to sprawl upon the piles of lumber on the wharf, staring with wide-open eyes and listening. To them it was like a circus come to town. To the scouts it was a new kind of campfire. In the morning they were gone, doubtless leaving a refreshing memory with the youthful denizens of that squalid neighborhood. The Hudson above Troy is no longer of majestic beauty, and the voyagers were not sorry for the novelty which presented when they entered the canal. At least they did not have to squint for hidden perils, though the locks played sorry havoc with the beautiful enameled freeboard of the Honor Scout. Cruising in a canal is about as exciting as a hike on Broadway, commented Roy. You said something, agreed Connie. It was not long, indeed, before the novelty began to wear off, and they were one and all glad when the boats emerged into the broad expanse of Lake Champlain. Lake Champlain, said Roy, contemplating it in his favorite attitude, sitting on the cabin roof with his hands clasped about his updrawn knees. Lake Champlain rises early in the morning, takes a northerly course, and flows into the sink. Correct. Be seated, Master Blakely. They could accelerate their speed now, and the good turn had her work cut out for her, keeping up, even with the Honor Scout's motor throttled down to half speed. This is historic territory, said Mr. Ellsworth. Almost every rock has its tale to tell of the bloody French and Indian War. I hope they won't tell them, said Roy. School's closed. But for all that he was interested, as our beloved scoutmaster recalled some of the stirring events which occurred along the rugged historic shores between which they were passing. They paused to see the ruins of the old revolutionary fort at Crown Point and the restored fort at Ticonderoga, with its underground passage to the shore. The first night of their cruise through the lake they tied up at Port Henry and early in the morning sallied forth into the town for oil, gasoline, and supplies, replenishing their depleted stock sufficiently for the fifty-mile run up to Plattsburgh. Believe me, this is some hike, said Roy. 
I dare say it looks about the same, mused Mr. Ellsworth, glancing about at the wild shore, as it did when Champlain sailed through it with his Indian guides. That was sumpty-sump years ago, said Artie Van Arlen. You have him in the third grade. Maybe he stopped at Port Henry for gasoline, suggested Roy. I hope he didn't have to pay twenty-three cents for it, said Connie. For about fifteen miles above Port Henry, the lake is comparatively narrow. Then it opens up to a breadth of ten miles or more, becoming a veritable inland sea, with the rolling hills of Vermont reaching far eastward and merging in the distance with the lofty green mountains. About ten miles above Port Henry, and at the narrowest part of the lake's narrow stretch, there rises upon the New York side an extent of precipitous and rugged height known as the Split Rock Mountain. On the landward side, the slope from the mountain is easy enough, but toward the lake, this irregular eminence presents a steep surface, interspersed with woody patches and gray rock. Nestling under this forbidding height is a narrow area of marshy woodland between it and the shore. It is related that in the olden days a Mohawk warrior, being pursued, and finding himself upon this dizzy summit without an arrow to his bow, tried to scramble down, and losing his foothold, was precipitated against trees and over rocks, and his mangled body became a prey to vultures in the wooded swamp below. There are guides about that historic water, who can point you where his skeleton and tomahawk were found, if you are disposed to venture within that tangled morass. As the little flotilla approached this spot, Tom, who was steering the smaller boat, noticed a green canoe drawn up at the wood's edge, and he called to Roy, sprawling on the cabin of the Honor Scout, to look. "'It's a canoe, all right, ain't it?' he called. "'Sure it is,' answered Roy. "'It's the same color as the woods. That's why you can't see it plainer,' said Will Bronson, looking through the field glass." Scarcely had he spoken when two scouts emerged at the shore, and busied themselves at the canoe for a moment or two. "'Why, that's the red-headed fellow we saw in Albany,' said Artie, who had taken the glass. "'I can see him plain.' "'Sure it is,' added Roy. "'You can recognize him without the glass.' The scouts on the larger boat passed the glass from one to another, though most of them could distinguish the boy without it. "'His hair is as red as a brick, isn't it?' said Mr. Ellsworth. "'That's him, all right,' said Tom, ungrammatically, from the other boat. They were almost abreast of the spot when the two boys disappeared in the woods. Roy had meant to hail them, and perhaps would still have done so, but for the fact that the freckled scout presently reappeared alone, climbing up the precipitous slope. "'You don't suppose he's going to try to climb that, do you?' Mr. Ellsworth queried as he watched. "'Looks that way,' said Connie. "'Wonder where the other fellow is?' The other scout did not appear, and they watched the agile form as it scrambled up the almost sheer face of the mountain. The sunlight was falling upon the dull face of rock and touching the sparse vegetation with its bright glow, and they recognized the boy clearly now, even to his red hair, which showed when it caught the rays of the sun. "'Well, that's some stunt!' exclaimed Gary, in amazement. "'Do you suppose their camp is up there?' "'They ought to call themselves the Eagles, if it is,' said Roy. "'Watch him,' called Tom from the other boat. 
The eyes of the whole troop were upon the nimble figure as it worked its way upward, now scrambling, now climbing among the trees, now going zigzag over a precipitous area. "'Some monkey, hey?' called Gary to the boys in the smaller boat, where Harry Stanton watched, fascinated. "'Some scout, all right,' one of the O'Connor boys called back. "'That's a most amazing feat,' said the scoutmaster, watching with the glass. Soon the agile form, verging to right or left to follow a path of less resistance, and sometimes pausing to use his brains as a scout should, had reached a little clump of freakish trees growing out of rock, and for a few moments he was hidden from the distant watchers. They had shut off. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.